Jeez. Hey everyone, welcome to Spilling TV the podcast. I'm Tyler, and on this episode, I'm going to be talking about Utopia Falls Season 1, Episode 6, Hate Me Now. Episode 6, titled Hate Me Now, which is the name of a song by Nas, was written by Alex Levine, who was the creator of one of my all-time favorite shows, Orphan Black. It was also directed by Melanie Orr, who's also the same person that directed the last episode. Because, um, like the last time I mentioned, the directors direct in, like, chunks of two episodes. Um... Something that I wanted to bring up slash was brought to my attention is uh, the definition of tribunal. Um, and then I also forgot what uh, what I was told, so I had to look it up again. But tribunal literally just means court of justice. So I guess that makes sense for it to be their um, like government name. And then I also looked up Gaia because I had never heard Gaia before, but... Um, it is something from Greek mythology, um, and it's the personification of Earth, and it's one of the Greek primordial de- deities. Um, and it also is Gaia is the ancestral mother of all life, which is not the direct um, I don't know interpretation in this case, but it is very interesting. Uh, that meaning is very interesting because Gaia is like the the mother of this new of this new life um that they have in like new babel and after the dark ages after i don't know whatever the big boom or something now that <laughs> that's definitely not what it was <laughs> not the big boom i don't know after uh, the surface wars i don't know if that's the same thing but either way it goes uh gaia is like the mother of all life in um new babel and in Utopia Falls, so that's actually a like direct correlation, which is really interesting. Um, so anyway, back to things that make sense. Um, the episode picks up with Sage uh, reliving her her time in the riot at Reform. Um, and when I say time at, uh, in the riot, I really should just say Sage is like reliving her trauma in a dream. And, um, and she wakes up, like, heart racing, heavy breathing, has to get out of bed and then sit on the floor. Honestly, I don't know what the whole getting out of bed, sitting on the floor is gonna do. Well, maybe it's to keep yourself awake so that you don't fall back asleep into the dream. Because, like, you know those nightmares where you just cannot, you cannot have a part two? Yeah. Um, so, (laughs) after we get Sage, um, we go over to the, what's it called? The headquarters? And Phydra is trying to blame the exemplar performance for the riot and reform, but Nature Lady, aka Rhea, is once again not here for her shenanigans, and she clarifies that the whole thing was in response to the violence of, like, Phydra's authority people. Um, that's how the whole riot incited, because her authority members were being way too aggressive and just really doing way too much with them over at reform. And then Fire just says that the performance has emboldened the troublemakers. And it's like, oh, she's always doing the utmost. Um, but Chancellor, what's her name? Chancellor Diara is 
concerned about an escalation in, um, I don't know, this like rebellion. And then Figer is saying that the exemplar cannot be a source of unrest. Um, and then she starts bringing in like the chancellor's reputation and how her legacy is at stake here. Um, and then Gerald chimes in saying that the exemplar is a symbol of hope. Um, and that something better awaits if we have the courage to reach for it. And then he says the thing that's like, um, honestly pretty sad. And he says that winning the exemplar is one of the few dreams that their children have left. And it's like, there are no dreams in, 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 in Utopia or in New Babel. Like, y'all can't have dreams, aspirations. There's just nothing out there for you. That's horrifying. Uh, truly... Is this a reflection of where we are headed in society? Who's to say? Um, and then the chancellor basically just says that she's suspending the exemplar indefinitely. Over at the academy, Bodhi is telling Aaliyah how he's worried about Max because it's not like him to just like up and disappear. And Aaliyah is trying to calm him down and she, um, but then she brings up Apollo and Brooklyn is just clearly distracted and like not mentally present um but then she tells him that there's been no news on him and that he's still in a coma the last she heard and then tempo pops up and tells them um like not to expect the worst but then bodhi is really not here for tempo's blind optimism and he's like you weren't there at the riots when um when max is being beat up and you weren't there when apollo touched the shield either and then Tempo snaps and says that he wasn't at reform because he makes smart choices with his life. And this one, Bodhi has had enough. And he's like, yeah, like being born into progress. And then they get in each other's faces like they're going to fight. And obviously, if they were going to fight, I'm rooting for Bodhi. But then Aaliyah like tells him to relax and like breaks the whole thing up. So it's like, ah, I don't know. Tempo kind of deserves to get punched or something. Um, so then over at headquarters again, uh, the tribunal have summoned the mentors, Watson Chapter, to inform them of the decision to suspend the exemplar indefinitely. And the mentors are not happy about this. Not even Watts. Um, and then Figer says that they clearly can't control the candidates. And it, here she goes again with this control stuff. Like, girl, let go sometimes. Like, it's okay. Calm down. Why are you so miserable? Uh, chapter says that they're just young people expressing themselves and that they weren't trying to incite a riot. And then the chancellor says that the exemplar is meant to unite, not to divide the people. And chapter, look, chapter is, is um, speaking sense into the universe. Um, he is stating facts, not fiction. And, you know, I don't know. He's really a champion of the people, unlike Watts and, you know, other people that suck. Um, and so he says that uh, the people are already divided. And this is true. First of all, they're divided literally into sectors. Like, they, they are divided. And then those sectors are not treated equally. Like, reform is the ghetto. Um... If re reform is just, you know, it's reform. 
Um, and then chapter says that suspending the competition could lead to more unrest. But Phydra says that she doubts it. And if that occurs, then they'll just, you know, cross that bridge when they get to it. Or how about we just not do this dumb thing and then we don't have to get to that bridge and, you know, everything will be uh, fakely fine. Uh, so then finally Watts chimes in to say that he himself is not a fan of this new style the kids are doing. You know, just, just like an old man. Um, and that the riots are deeply regrettable. Um, but then he says that the group, <laughs> he just says so, he's so shady in everything he says. Um, he says the group with the questionable performance was a clear favorite of the people. And then Gerald says that the reaction of the performance was overwhelmingly positive and that they haven't seen this much excitement about the exemplar in years. So then chapter, he's got, you know, he's a man with a plan. Um, and he says that he wants to harness and repurpose this youthful energy and suggests that the competition continues, but on their terms. And um, that scene closes with the chancellor looking intrigued. Uh, so now we're over at the academy and all the candidates are gathered for like an announcement. And um, Watts says that it looks like they're one short and then asks where Mags is and Bodhi informs him that no one's seen him since the riots. Um, and then he also acknowledges that Apollo is still in the hospital. Then Watts announces that the tribunal has allowed the exemplar to continue and says that the exemplar has always been about celebrating differences and encouraging people to come together as one. So instead of censoring the vibrant and passionate new elements, we've decided to embrace them. So, um, while he's saying this, chapter hands out uh, performance assignments to the candidates. And this is when they find out that they are in fact traditional pieces, but um, they tell them that the kids should integrate some of the new expression into them as long as they don't deviate from the traditional message. Um, and then they say that the performances are going to be broadcast um, as a PSA for all of New Babel to help heal the wounds of the riot. Um, and they want to send a message of hope and community and commitment to a peaceful society. And it's like, all right, I guess. Um, but Bodhi is like looking at his assignment and he mm, doesn't look too pleased. So he kind of reads some words from it. And the words he reads are, Policies of authorities always keep us in line. Get static from the outcast, pay them no mind. Stay fit, think quick, gotta keep a clean grind. And he just looks frustrated. He's like, this is not what I'm about. This is a bunch of watered down nonsense and this is not real hip hop. So we go over, we're still in the academy, um, but Brooklyn walks up to Sage who's sitting at uh, the indoor tree and Brooklyn does this thing where she like introduces herself like hi I'm Brooklyn and also I noticed she's wearing heels and I wonder are those the ones that she got a reform that she was stumbling in you know a few episodes ago and who's to say uh but Sage quickly snaps back at this saying I know who you are and then Brooklyn kind of kind of jokes but it's like kind of like not joking um, and she's like, basically, do you have amnesia because you've been out the hospital for a day and you haven't spoken to me since you got back? Um, but Sage is truly not here for it. Um, someone else is not here for any shenanigans. Um, Brooklyn compliments her and says that she looked flames today. 
but again sage not here for it um so she asks her if she even considered the possibility that sage not wanting to see her at the hospital could mean that she also doesn't want to see her at the academy um and brooklyn's kind of like taken aback by this and she's like well it's going to be hard for you not to see me because we're literally in the same place and we have to rehearse in the same space and all this you know other stuff and brooklyn's like can we just like reset and start over and then she's like about to go on this whole speech about how the riots made her realize some things you know realize 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 yep i said that um and and i didn't enunciate any of the differences um but sage like turns to walk away and brooklyn tries to stop her and is like can you just wait and then that's when sage is like enough is enough um sage kind of yells that she's like i'm done waiting for you and that is truly valid because last time I talked about how it was kind of sad that Sage was really just waiting around for Brooklyn and like searching for Brooklyn while Brooklyn was out living some life. Um, like not really worried about what Sage was doing back at the ranch. You know, it's not a ranch, but you, you get it. Um, and uh, Sage just storms off after that and uh, leaves Brooklyn looking like a sad girl. And I mean, valid. I mean... I was gonna say they're both valid and they like are like Brooklyn like Brooklyn's feelings about kind of being thrown away no that's not it um feels like tossed aside you know um but like Brooklyn kind of feeling sad about it is is valid like response to this more this girl you like just told you I'm through waiting on you and I don't want to talk to you either um and then Sage is 100% valid in feeling like she was abandoned and then also um then trampled and concussed and traumatized as a result of it sort of um so then we go over to Bodie and reform and um they're still like picking up the pieces of the riot like in the market cleaning up and um so it's clear that Bodie is like to ask questions of the people and what we get are some like shots of people answering the questions about what went down and like what they know about Max we see authority Taggart say that There are also some other people missing and that he hasn't gotten any answers about anything. Um, And then Regette says that someone said that they saw Max fighting with the authority. And then some dude named Whisper said that Max is a ghost now, just like more times. So free Mags and free more times. Yo, free everybody because can we just stop imprisoning these people? They really didn't do anything and I don't have time for it. Um, Talking to you, America, as well. So Brooklyn and Aaliyah are talking and Brooklyn brings up Bodie again and tells her that she saw them kiss. Um, and then Aaliyah's like, oh, you saw that. Okay. Uh, let's process this information. But like, that's like an internal monologue and not what she says out loud. What Aaliyah says out loud is that it was unexpected. And then Brooklyn's like, hmm, you didn't seem to mind. And then Aaliyah's basically like, oh, shut up. Um, we're not going to talk about this right here, right now. And she's like blushing. And it's like a really cute friendship moment. And they giggle. And it's 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 a really cute moment. And then uh, Aaliyah asks Brooklyn like how she's doing because she seemed distracted. Um, and she also asks her how things are going with Sage. But Brooklyn kind of deflects. And Aaliyah lets her know that she's there for her if she ever needs to talk. And it's just, it's it's a nice friendship moment between the two of them and I I like that for them 
Um, so then Tempo shows up because all good things must come to an end. And he wants to talk to Aaliyah and so they go and they talk and he's like, how could you let Apollo do that to himself? And, and he's telling her that he doesn't understand why she even went in the first place. And then Aaliyah like brings her mom up and is like, you know how I like had those dreams about my mom. And, you know, I thought that maybe if she was in there and she saw these layouts and then she like stops talking because she sees Tempo pretty much just like shaking his head. And so she's like, I might as well just not finish the story. At least I think that's her internal monologue. Um, But she just quit. And then Tempo's like, you didn't even think about asking me to go with you. And she's like, as if you would have. And Tempo's like, maybe, or maybe I would have talked you out of it and Apollo would be okay. And then he goes into this thing and it's like, I'm so tired of Tempo acting like her father. You're not my dad. Like, calm down. Um, And so he's like, what happened to you? You used to be responsible or like more responsible than me. But ever since you found the archive, you've been reckless and suddenly nothing is good enough for you. And Aaliyah's like, she wants more life, more purpose and more hope. And then I'm so tired of Tempo. Tempo's like, but we're, we're safe and we're free. And then this is when Aaliyah, you know, like drops some of that knowledge she's been accruing. And she's like, well, not everybody, not Bodie, not Max, and not anyone in reform. And then, um, Tempo is like, the people in reform are there for a reason. And it's like, just like a white man. Um, and he says that they're there to make amends for past mistakes. And then Aaliyah brings up Bodie again. She's like, what was Bodie's mistake other than being raised there? And then it's like, this mirrors the thing that happened earlier where um, Tempo said that he, what did he say? Oh, that he's a smart, he makes smart choices. And then Bodie's like, what, being born into progress? It's like something you did not choose that happened to you. And then Aaliyah is highlighting this thing that Bodie did not choose. He didn't choose to be raised in reform. It just happened because of his father and then tempo was basically like he didn't say this but he said this tempo's basically like oh here we go again with Bodie, um and this nonsense and it's like what is what is it between you two and then Aaliyah's like um you know we're close and then tempo really starts feeling away and he's like we used to be close and he's like we're still close but this is different and basically she tells him that they kissed and um and then she kind of tries to like explain it like I didn't think this was gonna happen or something but girl you she she does not need to explain herself to him because he you don't owe him anything you weren't together what you do the choices you make have nothing to do with him you never need to explain yourself so yeah that's me talking directly to Aaliyah who is a fictional character but you know got real passionate about that um so we leave that scene and sage is like grabbing lunch but um as she's like walking with the tray in her hand she hears a fork drop to the floor and she starts to like envision a riot breaking out right in front of her and she kind of tries to snap herself out of it but then she sees two people hug and then she starts to get flashes of the riots and she just drops her whole lunch, which is the real tragedy here. Cause that's just a whole, that's a waste. Just it all hit the floor and you can't eat it. And then she just runs off and then sits on the floor and like tries to calm herself down. But honestly, RIP to the lunch that could have been. Um, I am concerned about Sage and um, this, the trauma she's experiencing. 
and you know it's really sad but also losing that meal is sad as well you know so Lee is practicing her dance routine um you know the traditional plus some new and then Bodhi walks in and tells her that Regat thinks Max might have been ghosted um Bodhi is basically feeling guilty about the whole thing like he feels like it's his fault and Aaliyah is is trying to say that things are different now and maybe they'll let him go um because you know the tribunal and the people the powers are letting them do their own thing with these performance and but it's like yeah as long as they can control the message um and he tells her that Aaliyah is really falling for this tribunal okie doke but he's trying to tell her that this is what they want you to think they want you to think things are changing but what they're letting us do like this isn't hip-hop like that that's just not how this works and then we leave this scene and we get to see tempo go see apollo still in the coma at the hospital and you know he talks to him because that's what everybody does on tv and i think that that's like what you're supposed to do you know talk to people in comas but i am fortunate enough to not have known anyone in a coma and i started like speaking like really slow because i now i'm sure i'm pretty sure that i have not known anyone in a coma but i'm just gonna move on you know um yep uh and he's telling him that this isn't how it was supposed to go he had a plan Tempo was going to win the whole thing, Apollo was going to come in second, and then him and Aaliyah were going to spend the rest of their lives together. Now, first of all, I am like, I'm pretty sure that at one point, Tempo said that he was going to win and then said to Aaliyah, she's going to come in second. So I'm just trying to understand, like, is he just lying to everybody? Like, which one is true? Um, Second, he really, like, had this whole plan with like Aaliyah to spend the rest of their lives together like they're 16 what 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 is the dystopian marriage age because this is really just not adding up Tempo is really out here trying to be some American boy next door and I'm not here for it to say the least um but then he's saying that everything is different now and um he's telling Apollo that the mentors are making everyone do hip-hop and he says that He's a third wheel to Aaliyah and Bodhi and um, he's claiming to be worried about her and that she might get hurt or get sent to reform. And then as he says that, Apollo like, you know, wakes up out the coma and I said that weird, but he wakes up out of the coma and um, Tempo's like talking to him, but Apollo kind of starts freaking out and he's like trying to express that he can't hear anything. Um, but another note on this is that Tempo saying that he feels like a third wheel to Aaliyah and Bodhi. I, when, at what, they've been around each other, like, as, as three, maybe, like, twice, and for, like, five minutes, you know? I don't, I don't understand. You feel like a third wheel. You don't even hang out with the two of them together, so I'm just over tempo, honestly. I don't have time. I don't have time. Um, so, Brooklyn, um, quick scene, shows up at home, and she wants to talk to her mom. Um, then we see Bodhi and Aaliyah in the cave, and Bodhi is playing, um, Middle Child by J. Cole for her, um, and there's some lyrics talking about, um, spending their birthdays inside of a cell, we come from a long bloodline of trauma, and we raised by our mamas, and then it says some more things, um, and, and Bodhi's like, he was trying to change the world with what he was saying, and he says that he shouldn't be... No, he says that he should be 
rapping about like Max getting dragged off by the authority, not singing and dancing about how great New Babel is. And then Aaliyah's like, we we need to take a step towards the powers that be because they've taken a step towards us with allowing us to like spice the routines up at all. Um, and Bodhi's kind of like, what happened to that girl that was, you know, d- protesting because I was locked up? And then she and Aaliyah's like, thing, things are, are different because she's basically saying that she's scared now because like, the consequences are real. Like, Apollo is in a coma because I don't know he woke up. And, like, Max has been dragged off by the authority and it potentially ghosted. So she's uh, m- trying to be more cautious, I guess. Um, but Bodhi's like, yo, what happened to that, like, rebellious, you know, we're gonna, I don't know, smash the patriarchy. It's, like, not the patriarchy. Literally, the chancellor is, is a woman and Phaedra is also a woman. But... You get what I mean. Um, so uh, Sage pops up in the in at the archive, and Bodie and Ali are like asking her how she's feeling, but Sage is just like, "I just came here to be alone," and it's really clear that she does not want to talk about her feelings. So Bodie and Aaliyah leave, but Bodie tells the archive to play some samba music, and Sage, um, we see Sage kind of get into it. So we go back to Brooklyn at industry with like at home with her mom and she's drinking some tea and um, she's telling her mom how she saw that she was dissonant um, but she doesn't know what it means so she asks her mom like does it mean that I'm sick and then her mom explains that dissonant means that you can't have children and she tells her that um, Brooklyn's DNA was examined by scientists at Progress Sector and deemed unfit for reproduction and that right there is a terrifying sentence um and and she says that usually they decide this based off the likelihood of passing on um passing on some disease um and Brooklyn's upset about this like she is heartbroken and her mom is trying to tell her that it's going to be fine and that she can still do things that she loves like her art Um, But Brooklyn really doesn't want to hear that right now. And um, she's asking if this is what happened with her cousin. I don't know. Her name might have been Maya or something. Um, And then she says that she was basically excommunicated. And then her mom is like, Maya chose to let this define her. I don't remember if her name was Maya. So I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, But her mom is like, she chose to let it define her. But you don't have to do that. Um, And then Brooklyn is mad at her mom for keeping this whole thing a secret. She's like, I had a right to know, like, it is, like, this concerns me. Um, But then she storms off. And I don't know if we ever see her mother again. We never saw her before this. We didn't even hear her mentioned. Honestly, Brooklyn could have just not had a mom for all I know. Because where, where, what? Just like Max. I don't know anything about his family. Like, does he not have one? Because, like, more times is always saying that he was a father figure to, like, both of them. And Max is a lot more receptive to it. So, like, maybe he, like, was a father figure because Max doesn't have a father. We also know nothing about Tempo's family. Honestly, we just know Sage and her grands. We know the stuff about Aaliyah and Gerald. And then her mom. And then we know that Bodie's had a dad who passed away when he was, like, three but then that's kind of like it. We don't know anything about tempo, but I'm 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 not complaining. <laughs> so then Sage is in the cage, 
uh, in the cage. No, Sage is in the cave, dancing her heart out to some samba. And then she asks for other music like that, which leads her to Capoeira. I said that, I said it bad. I don't know if there's an accent as to how you pronounce Capoeira, but the first time I heard about it was on Bob's Burgers when um, Tina was doing it. But it's essentially, like, at, at, at its core, um, like, dance martial arts. And it, there's a lot more meaning behind it, and the, I've forgotten it, but they talked about it and, like, its origin story, and it's actually really interesting. Um, but she, like, watches some videos, and she kind of starts practicing it, and you can tell that she's getting into capoeira, or, like, the idea of it. Uh, so Leah shows up to Brooklyn's room and asks why she's not dressed yet and starts talking about the performance, but Brooklyn is, once again, mentally, like, not present. And, um, Aaliyah, Aaliyah tells her that she knows she likes to deal with things on her own, but wants to help. And then that's when Brooklyn tells her that she's dissonant. And um, Aaliyah kind of like tries to comfort her, but then Brooklyn tells her that it it's more than just not being able to have children. She says that like they find other ways for you to serve the state, and that sit at, at no, they they as I, I guess the tribunal or whoever the power whoever there's I don't know some other powers in between tribunal and then regular people. Um, she says at 18, they assign you a position and like, basically you don't get to decide what you do with your life. And like, again, very sad. Like they can't have any hopes or dreams and they can't make any decisions. Like, what is this? Y'all really think y'all living in a utopia? Come on now. Um, and then Brooklyn says that over half of the people that are dissonant are drafted into the mining service, which is the most dangerous work because they're viewed as expendable. And, um, you know, this, this gets heartbreaking because then Brooklyn starts to, like, break and then she's talking to Leah and she's like, am I expendable? And that was just a very painful line. And then Aaliyah calls her Brooks and Brooklyn cries and tells Aaliyah that she's, like, really scared. And so Aaliyah just, like, hugs her and holds her and just tries to comfort her, like, as a friend. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see this for Brooklyn, um, but it's nice to see her have a support, um, and it's nice to see that their friendship is at this level. So, um, Chapter is, like, meditating, and Gerald shows up for a personal visit. Um, Chapter starts making, like, we're trying to make kind of small talk, but really he's just talking about how the authority is cracking down on reform, and then Gerald, basically, I feel like this was an inner monologue. I did not come here for this. Just let me say what I have to say. And then he just asks him if he ever thinks about Anna. Anna, aka his dead wife slash Aaliyah's mom. And then Chapter says, yeah, on her birthdays or when he finds things that she left behind. Um, and then he picks up a book and he's like, like this. And it was the Odyssey. And he's like, she loved the Odyssey. And this is when I find out that I don't know what I was doing the first time around, but I thought that Anna and Chapter were like brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, but like siblings. I just found out that they were exes um, and that she left Chapter for Gerald and truly wild. Um, but then Chapter like gets them some drinks and they sit down for a conversation that is clearly about to be garbage um 
and Gerald asks if he no yeah and then Gerald asks if Chapter remembered the last time that he talked to her and Chapter's like it was like a couple months before she died or whatever and then Gerald says that he's been having a weird feeling that maybe she's still with them and like Chapter chuckles and is like oh like a ghost and then Gerald's like I know I sound crazy but whatever so Chapter asks if Gerald has like considered dating again and Gerald was like oh I don't know if that's ever gonna be for me again and whatever and so he kind of like turns the tables and starts to like bait Chapter with questions about his dating life and he's like uh he asks about some blonde named Mika and then Chapter's like oh yeah she wasn't the one but then Gerald is like mm, wasn't she actually dark-haired and then Chapter in this moment was like oh no I am in a sticky situation and then Gerald presses on like how can you not remember someone you shared your life with but then Chapter is like I know how to get out of this and so he's basically like oh I had a lot of friends back in the day that I didn't treat right um and obviously didn't all stick around um and so he basically just says that he likes being alone and then I feel like chapter internally was like okay I'm done with this um please leave <laughs> um but uh he he asked Gerald like okay did you just come by to like gossip about my love life or like what and Gerald's like I was just in the neighborhood and thought I would stop by and then this uncomfortable interaction is over and Gerald leaves at the academy, we get some cuts of the kids doing their performances as they're being recorded, and Bodhi is visibly not into it. Um, like, his face is just reading disinterest. His heart's not in it, you know? His head's in the game, but his heart's in the song, but this time, his heart is not in the song. And I don't even know if his head's in the game. Maybe his head's in the song, and his heart's in the hip-hop? His head's in the song and his heart's in the archive no i can't make it work but i'm not gonna cut it out so um Aaliyah is having a good time with her performance though as is sage and then you know tempo is just jumping and flipping and the mentors are looking at each other and uh, and looking confused and Aaliyah's is kind of looking confused um and then watts just calls a stop and um he calls Bodhi up to the front and asks where his energy was. He said, where's that reform attitude? And Bodhi, Bodhi definitely wanted to say something, but instead he's just like, I can do better. Um, then Tempo gets called to the front and Watts calls out the fact that Tempo is just simply doing the traditional dance with no new additions. Um, and Tempo says that he likes the traditional style but Watts is basically telling him that it's out with the old and in with the new now um, to make people know that there's nothing wrong. No, not nothing wrong. To let people know that there's nothing to fear with this um, with this new stuff. Because um, the people, the people are into it. Of course, some people are, you know, skeptical and like concerned. But by formally introducing these styles into like all of the performance kind of as a united front, it, it's gonna show that there's nothing to be afraid of with, you know, with this new wave of, I don't know, entertainment, I guess. Um, but Tempo, no. <laughs> uh, but Tempo tells him that the people are wrong for liking this and that he's wrong for, like, making them do this. And he kind of, like, steps to Watts. But then Bodhi wants to, like, try to step in and defuse the situation. But Watts is like, oh, I got this. Um, I'm not above a little criticism. And then Tempo tells him that he's not doing the new stuff 
and Bodie's like, chill, bro, you're about to get kicked out, but Tempo is not having any of it, and he's, like, still going in, and he tries to punch Bodie, but Bodie ducks, so he ends up punching Watts just in the face, and everybody is just in shook, the, the everybody. Jaws have dropped, hands are covering their mouses, mouses, mouths, why did I think it was mouths? Hands are covering their mouths, like, gasp, gasp gasp like it's just it, it was a truly dramatic moment but also he really punched that man in the face um and so watts expels him from the competition immediately and that checks out it makes sense it's what you deserve tempo i'm sorry to tell you so then tempo goes to pack his bag and Aaliyah shows up in his room saying that he should probably apologize and see if maybe he could stay in the competition but then tempo is like why would i apologize it's not my fault what do you mean it's not your fault? Like, you, one, you punched him. And even if you meant to punch someone else, you still meant to punch someone else. So, therefore, it's your fault. Um, and then Aaliyah's like, you were baiting Mentor Watts. And then Tempo, man, I don't know. Like, who, who does he think he fathered? He's like, I warned you about the archive, but you wouldn't listen to me. Things were fine the way they were before. We had everything we wanted. And Leah's like, everything we thought we wanted. And she says that I feel like my eyes are opening for the first time in my life. Um, but like Tempo is just really hurt about this whole Bodhi thing. I really feel like that's his whole motivation. He loved Aaliyah and now he's sad about it. Um, so he tells her that Apollo is awake and he also tells her that he's deaf. Um, and Aaliyah's like, why didn't you, like, tell me about this before? But then Tempo flips it, and then he's like, well, why didn't you tell me about the archive right away? And I question, she pretty much did, though. Like, she kept that secret for, like, what, maybe 12 hours maximum? Like, she, she really told him. She couldn't hold it in, and then she's like, I, I found this thing. Here it is. And then took him. Like, come on now. Um, and then he says, or your little adventures, or about you and Bodhi. And he's like, you've been keeping secrets for weeks, and only told, um, him when it served her. And it's like, ouch, that one hurt. And then Leah looks hurt, because, man, that was, that, ooh, the first cut is the deepest. What does that even mean? Actually, is that, never mind, I might, <laughs> no. Um, that hurt, though, and Aaliyah is it looks hurt and um and he tells her that like he doesn't want to talk to her anymore and then she ends up leaving and then he like punches his duffel bag and it's like you got so much pent-up anger man i don't know what to tell you figure it out sort yourself out so bodhi uh sees sagarolia sitting in the area where the indoor tree is um and he he's like i tried to stop him but she says that it's really her fault um, and tells Bodhi that Tempo is afraid of change and afraid of what's, like, really happening in New Babel. And she says that this is on her for lying and that she thought she was protecting him, but she doesn't have the right to do that. He deserves to make, he deserves to make up his own mind. And that's a really, like, powerful sentiment, um, because there are so many times where people, like, in TV shows and I guess, like, real life, will just keep things from you because they think it's keeping you safe when really you should have the the ability to make your own choice with the information that you're given 
which happened on the bolt. Now I know what I was connecting it with. It just happened on the bolt type, like in the in the mid-season finale. It was like whatever. It happened. Um, and one of the most sound and reasonable characters, Jacqueline Carlisle, okay, Mama Jackie, uh, was telling Oliver that Sutton should have all the information in order to make her own choice. Um, don't make the choice for her by keeping something from her. And yeah, that's valid. Um, I just really liked that she, um, figured that out. Um, it was a little too late because they had the fight, but she, um, reflected and was able to come to that conclusion, which, uh, I think is interesting. Um, and then she, she goes into this other thing and she's like, uh, she always thought that her and Tempo would end up together and that their friendship would develop into something more. Um, but once she met Bodhi, she realized that she was kidding herself. Um, and then they have like a really cute moment and Bodhi was like, oh, immediately you realized? And he's like, so it was that charm. And then it's like, a, that's a callback to that first episode. And it's a really cute, like Bodhi-a moment. And I liked it. Uh, so then we cut to Apollo at the hospital and um this lady is really hooking him up with the latest in deaf technology um it's like a watch that translates her speech to text and also into these vibrations that she says his brain will begin to interpret kind of like a new language and basically it just is like an apple watch um so Aaliyah and Bodhi show up and they bring him some food I don't actually know what the food was but I kind of was curious um and it's like in this like bamboo lunch lunchbox I don't know if it's bamboo it's like wood what's bamboo is it green but I swear I've seen things that are bamboo that are brown also I think I have a pillow that says bamboo and I just fully cannot grasp that concept because it's not hard um, maybe I gotta do a bamboo google after this um so they give him the food um and Aaliyah is telling him that if she could have stopped him she would have and Apollo is like well if you would have stopped me, then it would have prevented me from seeing the truth. And then he tells them that when he made contact with the shield, he saw the real outside. Um, he said that the shield is like putting up an illusion. Um, and that he saw green fields and dense forest and a whole other city in the different distance. And that people and things were moving on the other side. Basically conform conforming? Conforming. Confirming. I can't talk. So this was a bad idea. How can you have a podcast and not speak? Well, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> we love defying odds here over at Spilling TV. Um, I'm defying no odds. Maybe that was an insensitive comment. Oh, can't walk it back now. Uh, so basically, Apollo is confirming the fact that they've been lied to their whole lives and that there's something else out there on the other side. And what I want to know is how did he see all that in the split, and I mean split second, when, uh, when he touched the shield? Because he was snatched back immediately, like comically so. Like, I wish I could think of a comparison to, to compare it to, of him being snatched back. Like, it was unreal. Like, <laughs> like slingshot snatched back. Um... So, over the academy, Aaliyah is walking with Sage, and Bodhi is sitting with Brooklyn, and they kind of, like, meet in the middle. And Bodhi and Aaliyah are telling them that they don't know what's going on with the two of them, but they need to hear this. And they tell them about, one, Apollo being deaf, and also about what he saw beyond the shield. Sage is skeptical. She's like, maybe his brain was scrambled and he was hallucinating. 
But then Bodhi's like, but maybe he wasn't, and maybe there's a whole world out there waiting for them on the other side. And that kind of just shows that, like, Bodhi really feels like that there's nothing left here for him. Like, after this exemplar, there's literally, there's no hope. Like, like he was talking about in the last episode, like, when he turns 18, he doesn't get out of reform now because of all this. Like, they're not gonna approve a transfer. And then, and then what? Like, and then what do you do? Like, what do you do? It's so sad. It's so bleak when you really sit and think about it. So I'm not, I'm just gonna move on and um, scratch the surface. Uh, so Sage is in her room practicing some capoeira and Brooklyn shows up wanting to talk. Sage is still clearly upset and um, Brooklyn says that she doesn't know what happened to her during the riots and Sage tries to say that she's fine, but Brooklyn can, can really see through that. Um, so then Sage yells, where were you when I needed you? Oh, right, you were on some stupid mission with Bodhi and Apollo while I was there waiting for you in reform. And I note that she left at Aaliyah. Aaliyah was also on the stupid mission. I guess she didn't want to bring another woman down. So, respect. Um, Sage asks if Brooklyn is going to tell her how sorry she is and that it's never going to happen again. But then Brooklyn asks if that would even make a difference and Sage says no. Um, Sage tells Brooklyn that she gave her a chance to show her how she felt and she didn't because Brooklyn is selfish and could not care less about anyone else and that she never has and never will. And then Sage tells her that she doesn't deserve someone like her. Um, and it's like, this was like hard enough to like digest. And then it got harder because then Brooklyn says, you're right, I don't. And then she walks off. And so then we see Sage as a sad girl, but Sage is also an angry girl. And then also a traumatized girl. Like, she got a lot going on right now. Um, and then Brooklyn is still a sad girl. Like, Brooklyn's been a sad girl for a minute now. Um, and then we cut over to Gerald. And the song We Find Love by Daniel Caesar starts to play. Gerald is looking at Chapter's file, like, on, you know, like a little iPad thing or whatever. And he's, like, thinking about stuff. You know, he's, like, you know, stroking his chin thinking. Like, he's thinking, thinking. Um... And then we see Tempo leaving his exemplar uniform behind, grabbing his little duffel bag and walking out of his room. Sage is in her room practicing capoeira. Brooklyn is in her room in the dark on the bed, sitting there just crying. And we focus on Brooklyn for a while. And like the lyrics are like playing and it's like we find love and we get up and we fall down and we give up. And then, you know, we find love and we get up, you know, be the words. Um, and like Brooklyn is, I don't know, like here, like seeing these words like paired with Brooklyn, it's like, hmm, these are all the words that, that are Brooklyn's life. Um, <laughs> cause she is like, you know, she thought maybe found love with Sage, but mm, did she? Who really knows at this point? Um, and then it's like this thing happened and now it's like she's fallen down and like wants to give up and she's also dealing with this whole dissonant thing and Brooklyn is just sad girl TM. So in this whole little montage of stuff happening to this Daniel Caesar song, Bodhi is like trying to, to write what I assume is a rap in his like notebook and he's also doing that thing that I fully do not understand you know when like people in like tv and movies because I don't think I've ever seen anyone do this are like writing notes in a notebook and then they're like how oh, this is garbage and so they literally 
rip the page up, crumple it, and just toss it? Because do they ever toss it to the trash? No, they just toss it into the abyss of the floor and they're just making a mess. First, I don't understand. One just turned the page. There's more pieces of paper in there. Also, there's a back. You could be more resourceful and stop wasting so much paper. Second, you're taking this out and you're just tossing it. You could recycle it. You could make it go into the trash receptacle at all and not just make this mess on the floor. But I digress. Um, Aaliyah walks up to him while he's sitting on the floor and she basically just takes his things away from him and he stands up and then they like sway together. And I'm like, what are you swaying to? Because I'm hearing Daniel Caesar, but I know in my heart of hearts that they are not. So like, what are they swaying to? Nothing? Silence? Is this one of those weird things that if a person walked up, it wouldn't make any sense? Um, and then, and then they kiss and... Of course, Tempo walks in to see this and then he's looking all heartbroken, but I kind of don't care. Um, and they don't see him. And so he like leaves and he walks out and he has this like look of something in his eyes. It's, I don't know. I don't know if it's anger, determination, revenge. I don't know what it is. But next thing you know, we've cut to the archive, aka Snoop's cave. And uh, we just watched Tempo set fire to the rain. And by rain, I mean to Snoop Dogg's cave. And he looks like both angry and prideful at what he did. And that is how the episode ends. So basically the episode ends with me upset because Tempo just, just doing garbage, um, trash behavior. And, oops. And it brings me back to what the title of the episode is, Hate Me Now. So many, so many questions. Was Hate Me Now, was it about Tempo? Because... You already know how I feel about him. So was this was this giving me the okay to hate tempo now? Um, was this about Sage basically hating Brooklyn now? Was this about Bodie hating the government now? I mean he hated it before, but you know, they ghosted his best friend. Um, was this about Brooklyn hating herself for being this way? Or is it about Phydra hating her life because she's a miserable woman? just so many questions about what hate me now could be you know just there's, so, there's so many options here um if anyone cared i'd do a poll no i'm kidding i wouldn't do a poll um <laughs> but yeah that's how the episode ends and i don't know i think i like this episode i mean like i do because like stuff happens and like thing things are moving i don't love i definitely don't love how brooklyn and sage are right now because they are birth they are both wow birth and brooklyn can't give it um they are both hurting right now um for very valid reasons um and it kind of sucks that they can't heal together in this moment because they're in these separate journeys because brooklyn really did just leave sage and lurch um but she's also going through her own thing and sage is just full-on traumatized from that riot and not really opening up or talking to anyone and I don't know if it's because of that whole thing where I feel like Sage doesn't like to take up space in in other people or even in the world um and so she doesn't want to feel like a burden with her feelings of fear and I don't know inadequacy but her starting to discover this capoeira is like giving her a release right so 
that's nice. Meanwhile, Brooklyn's really just falling apart internally and feeling like she is also inadequate as a human because she can't reproduce, which is really, I don't know, it's so dark and kind of sad that they do do this, um, like blocking who can reproduce because of certain genes or certain possibilities. Um, I don't know, feels like a dark day. <laughs> all of this stuff, like not all of it, but a lot of it feels really dark and but also at the same time, mm, like potential options for our future because literally nothing makes any sense. I never thought we'd be in this position that we're in right now in the world. And so like these plot lines could easily be a, a reality at some point and that's wild to think about. Um, but I don't know, but this show still is like, you know, there's hope and like a light at the end of the tunnel and it's like, hmm, I don't know, I don't know about that right now in the, in the real world, but I'm gonna just, you know, take that real world lens off and toss it aside and focus back on, um, fictional because it makes me feel better, but yeah, I don't know, it's like Tempo's behavior sucks, um, and I hate it, um, nope, no, no, there's no redemption there, I just really hate Tempo's behavior, um and also Phydra because she sucks so much and Gerald is being kind of sketchy and it's like hmm, where's that going um is there anything else I want to say about this episode I don't know I don't know what I don't know what what yeah I don't I don't know um Boda Aaliyah and Boda Aaliyah Aaliyah and Bodhi are at an interesting place I think it's a I think it's a sweet place I I like them I think they're cute and I don't know like I think that they are good for one another as well like I feel like Bodhi is getting her to realize things that she never considered and I feel like she is also I don't know like helping Bodhi I don't know like calming him and not invalidating his feeling I feel like they do a good job of supporting each other and not invalidating each other's like feelings or experiences and that's just a beautiful thing um so yeah something that I have been enjoying that isn't Utopia Falls is is a lot I've been watching a lot of tv and I've started to do this thing where I like document everything that I watch in the day but my memory sucks so sometimes I forget and then I have to try to remember but again my memory sucks so then sometimes I just don't remember what I what I watched and it's not complete uh or comprehensive but no one asked for it and I'm doing this just for me so I guess it doesn't really matter but beside the point uh I watched or started watching Kim's Convenience and Memory Garbage I don't know if I talked about this on the other episode but I'm just gonna do it now. And you know what? Kim's convenience deserved deserves to be talked about more than once if I have already mentioned it. Um yeah, Kim's convenience um is on Netflix and another Canadian look, Canada be really Canada be having some good stuff. Yeah. Canada's got got Canada got the hits. Um <laughs> Orphan Black, that's Canada, Degrassi Next Generation, Canada, Utopia Falls canada working moms canada what did i just talk about kim's convenience canada and then i know that there's more so i listed i don't know how many things i lost track 
Canada's got hits. Um, I'm gonna just say that though. Kim's Convenience is about this like Korean Canadian family that owns a convenience store and um, it's just good. Um, it's funny. It's got this like slow burn relationship that I'm for whatever reason like really invested in and want to see how it plays out. I've watched three seasons and I have one more to go because there are four on Netflix and I don't actually know anything else about the show. I do know that it's adapted from something but I don't remember what it is adapted from. So that's neither here nor there but Kim's Convenience is it's really good. It's fun and I'm into it. Um, I, I made a note to say, to talk about that, but, you know, I'm just gonna throw in something else that I had loved, and it was Dead to Me Season 2, um, which is another Netflix show, but not Canadian. Um, it came out, uh, not that long ago, and I watched it, and I loved it. I really enjoyed the first season, and the second one did not disappoint. Like, it is darkly hilarious, and there are so many twists that you or at least I did not expect to happen and it really keeps you like on your toes and I don't know I, I want to say that not that many like half hour where these might not be a full half hour episodes uh like shows where they're like 30-ish minutes don't generally get you with the plot twists and like other things other than like a few laughs and some emotional beats but this has the emotional beats the dramatic beats the comedic beats and then the plot twists at the at the end of the day like it there are just so many like moving pieces to this and it is complex in it in morality and it's a great show and mm, I don't know maybe I'll do an episode about it I don't know um I make the rules because there are none uh, yeah, so Dead to Me season two and also season one because it's a great show and Kim's Convenience are two things that I have thoroughly enjoyed as of late. I'm certain that there's more, but you know, I gotta save something for the next time I do this. Um, so yeah, you can check out my blog at spillintv.com, S-P-I-L-L-I-N-T-V.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at spillin underscore TV. Um, and then on Instagram at Tylerpedia, T-Y-L-E-R-R-P-E-D-I-A-A. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about updating the blog soon. I don't know what, I don't know with what though. (laughs) I'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, make decent choices. You know, I think maybe it's too much pressure to say make good ones, you know, make okay choices. Do your best.